walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody, settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, and this art is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? War. What? <laughs> War. What is it good for? Am I right or am I wrong, everybody? Oh man, not having a good wrestling show. That's for sure. That's not what it. That's not what war does. Uh, <laughs> World War Three, 1995, presented by a WCW, of course, is the show we're recapping today. I just noticed I have my. Um... So me and the softest part of the ring. We have a best cat dad mug and a best cat mom mug, and I just noticed that uh, I accidentally grabbed the best cat mom mug. Uh, I realized halfway through that that it was brutally uninteresting and uh, I'm gonna shove this coffee up my asshole um, boiling hot. So uh, after this, not on stream, that's <laughs> you got to get behind the paywall for that. Uh, but speaking of enemas, we got a, a WCW pay-per-view to talk about. Uh, Yes, so World War Three. Many of you may be familiar with this concept, but for those who aren't, let me indulge you. Let me ruin your life by describing what this is. So, first of all, we got we got to recollect where we're at in WCW. My last recap: Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety-five. You may remember that for uh, the Giant getting yeeted, as the kids say, off of a building, uh, apparently landing on his feet like fucking King Kong. Going back into the ring, fighting Hulk Hogan for the world heavyweight title and uh, winning by DQ. Now, you may be saying, well, hardest part of the ring, you can't win a title on DQ. But let me tell you this. Let me throw this at you. Let me let me shove this up your ass and see if you come in my face. Jimmy Hart. That, that was so vulgar. I'm sorry. Jimmy Hart. It's <laughs> an asshole, first of all. Uh I don't know, maybe he's a good guy, but in 1995, he was an asshole because he turned on Hulk Hogan, Bagaud, aligning with the Dungeon of Doom, aligning with the Giants. But before he did all of this, he was with Hogan. And when he signed the contract, I guess there was an element in the contract that said if Hogan is to lose via DQ, he loses the World Heavyweight Championship. But the board of directors, they all came together. We're like, well, this is a lot. There's just too many shenanigans afoot. What we're going to do, since we can't really come to a clear conclusion, we're just going to throw that Joker up, Joker being the world title. We're going to vacate it, 
and we're going to put it up for grabs at the next pay-per-view, World War III. How many people are vying for this title? 60. (laughs) 60 people, one match, two girls, one cup, fighting for the world title in a three-ring battle royal. Each ring has 20 people in it. It starts, it starts like that. It's not like a rumble or anything where they come out in intervals. That would take fucking forever. Um, it still did somehow. But uh, <laughs> three rings, 20 people in each ring. You eliminate your opponent by throwing them over the top rope, as with any battle royal. And last one, standing wins. Pretty cut and dry, right? It's not. Um, WCW always finds a way to add some fuckery to it, and they sure do. Uh but we talk a lot about that in the podcast, so um, won't be too redundant here. But it's a sh- spoiler alert. It's a shit show. <laughs> um, but undercard actually is pretty solid on this on this show. You got uh, a lot of new Japan uh, presence, really just Japan wrestling in general, because you got a few other promotions like all Japan and you got some Joshi wrestling in here, which is really fun. And uh, of course, you got your DDPs, your Johnny B. Bads all that stuff that you love to uh, watch and listen to and listen to me babble about. So, oh, and of course, the taped fist match, because what would a WCW pay-per-view be without goddamn Jim Duggan wrapping his hands in loose tape and knocking people out with it? It wouldn't be a WCW pay-per-view at all. That's what I say. Um, But yeah, lots of tomfoolery to discuss on this show, to say the least. And I just got to say, I got a bone to pick with, um, I guess, just wrestling in general. This show takes place in the hometown of the hardest part of the ring. The home, the headquarters, the home, the home base, if you will, of the apron bump. Norfolk, Virginia, not Norfolk. Norfolk, Virginia. Why does what? What's wrong with us? Is it something we did? Why does Norfolk always get the the most bullshittery of wrestling? We get this first three ring shit show of a battle royal. We get Paul Bearer getting buried in concrete. We get uh, what else? We got Jinder Mahal and Shanky rapping at Hit Row and sending Hit Row to get released. We got Sasha and Naomi walking out. This all happens in Norfolk while well, you have your Chicago's, your Florida's, your, your New Orleans's that get all these WrestleManias and huge shows, your, your AW shows, your 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 great indie wrestling. What do we get? We get Mordecai wrestling hardcore Holly on a pay-per-view. <laughs> so. But anyways, I digress. I just had to get that off my um asshole. So speaking of assholes, my guest has one. I'm assuming uh, Tim King from the, from the wrestling index, uh, also from floor slapper sports. My boy, Tim does a bunch of stuff. Always great content coming from Tim. Go follow him. All of his socials, all of his shows in the, in the description below. He could explain them better than I could. He has a lot of a lot of irons in the fire. This TK uh, floor slapper sports. He talks about sports. He talks about badminton cricket, uh, pickleball, all that stuff that people who like sports love to watch. 
Um, <laughs> no, he, he's very entertaining. Talks a lot about wrestling as well, of course. And uh, talks a lot about Sting's bubble butt on his show. So if you're into all those things, go check out Tim King. And uh, he's a lovely boy. And we have a good time on this show. So with that, hold on. First of all, if you like this kind of show, if you like WCW, if you like the tomfoolery, the the absolute dumpster fire that is 1995 wrestling, go to apronbump.com. You can go to the episodes tab and select WCW, and that'll bring you to all of the WCW shows that I've recapped thus far, starting all the way from Spring Stampede 1994. Chronologically, I've uh, I've journeyed through all of the shit, all of the sewage that is WCW in the mid 90s, worked my way chronologically up until now, November of 1995. It's uh it's been a journey. It's been a journey. It's uh, the journey might have been consisting of walking on, you know, Legos and broken glass and puddles of hepatitis. But it is what it is. You know, Miley Cyrus told me it's all about the climb. It doesn't matter how fast I get there. I'm always going to wait. I'm always going to. Have also have hepatitis. I think that's what she, the lyrics to the song are. But I digress. Let's get to it. WCW World War Three, 1995, with myself and Tim from the Wrestling Index and Floor Slapper Sports. Dynamite was pretty nuts, huh? Dude, yeah, man. It was. Uh, I thought it was a really good show through and through. The mm. the Mox Punk thing was very. Uh, I was confused by it. Like, I loved it. Like, I'm a huge John Moxley fan, as you know. So, like, mm-hmm. even though I love punk the way I do, I still thought that was badass. Like, his Mox just looked like a dominant motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious as to where they'll go with it. Like, I'm reading that they might do a rematch, but if the story is punk's foot's all fucked up, I don't know <laughs> what they're going to do with that. But uh, it was interesting. It was interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, I said it last night. Uh, I did a show with Justin and Bakley hopped on. I said mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain that they're still gonna go Punk Moxley because there's literally nowhere else to go. You, no. I, don't, I, I don't see the Hangman thing unless he's not the Dark Order's partner, which would be really weird to me. I don't do spoilers, mm-hmm. so I don't. I have no idea if he was or not. I, I'm assuming he was the Dark Order's partner, but I don't know. I have no idea either. Yeah, and MJF coming back would make absolutely no sense to fight Mox at all out. So, like, Punk's mm-hmm. got to Punk's got to come out and he's got to say. You got the better of me. I fucked up my foot. We were in your home state. Well, all outs in my home city. You're not beating me in Chicago. I'm invoking my rematch. Let's go. Now, where they go from there, I don't know. And I'll be like the way Mox won the title. He looked like such a badass that I'll be upset if Punk takes the title back from him. And maybe that's the point. They want mm-hmm. to turn him and they want, you know, everyone to turn on him because they want him to go against Mox. But I don't know, man. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that we're all. You know, questioning it is it's a good thing though, because it's yeah. not like a a clear way forward. So I think that's I think that's awesome. Yeah, we're talking about it, which is which is great. We're not just like oh, CM Punk's gonna beat Moxley and there's your interim championship match. Because three weeks ago, that's what everyone thought. It's gonna be pretty cookie cutter. Punk beats Moxley mm-hmm. all out, and there we go. Now it's like they did the match in the eight o'clock hour. Moxley fucking killed him. What are we <laughs> doing, dude? Yeah, nobody could call that. I mean, I'd rather. Uh, 
I'd rather talk about that than World War Three, personally. But uh, yeah, might as we well can, discuss it. Yeah, let's. Yeah, let's go. We watched it. It, it wasn't as bad as I gave it. Yeah, or, yeah. As I was talking about it in the message, once we got past that initial, I don't know the the DDP Merrill thing didn't do much for me. The match itself wasn't bad, but like I feel like it was really long. Like they could have ended it maybe like six seven minutes sooner. And then yeah. Ki- Kimberly was really annoying the whole time. And then was she? I don't remember her doing anything. No. She was just holding up the tens and her facial. Exp- I thought her facial expressions killed me, dude. And then, they like, <laughs> and then I know like she was uh, a part of the match itself, but or like she was a focal point. First of all, I wanted I want to say the TV championship, and I've always said this is beautiful. So I haven't I yeah. didn't go back and. Uh, I, I haven't went back and watched one of these shows, the whole shows in a long time. So the show mm-hmm. did not hold up anywhere near what I what I thought it was, <laughs> um, especially right. the 60 man battle royal. But the TV championship did. That belt was beautiful, dude. Sexy. Yeah. Looks, like it was just so hot, dude. I would much rather have taken that belt home and laid in bed with it than Kimberly that night after all those annoying ass facial expressions she was making, dude. Yeah. Um, but she was still looking fine, dude. And she was going to be a future Nitro girl coming up soon. I mean, the match itself was, uh, the match itself was good, I guess for 1995 work rate. I, you can't say anything bad about it. DDP was, you know, getting better. He was never great, but he was getting better. And Johnny B. Bad was definitely underrated in the ring. Mark Merrow. Um, so Mm -hmm. the match, the match itself wasn't bad. I just thought it went too long, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause before I like, Went back and started rewatching all this stuff. I associated that guy with Mark Marrow. I've never really seen much of Johnny B. Bad before then. But yeah, Johnny B. Bad, I feel like, had more of a exciting in-ring style than Mark Marrow did. But um, yeah, that was good stuff. But I mean, you know, before we get into that, I mean, just in general, World War Three. Uh, I mean, 1995 is a, is a fucking trip just in general for wrestling. Were, were you watching at this time live? Yeah, dude, I was. And I... I really thought I enjoyed it. Like I thought I going back, mm-hmm. I was really excited to watch this show because I, I thought I really enjoyed it. I guess I'm like the mid card was fine. I don't know. Go ahead. My bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're good. Yeah. I mean, this is a, um, cause I wasn't watching live. I mean, I was born in 93. So I, although, um, so fun fact, the show happened in my hometown, uh, about five minutes from where I'm sitting right now, Norfolk, Virginia, Norfolk and, uh, Norfolk, Virginia, Norfolk. Yeah. And uh, my dad told me that he took me to a wrestling show when I was very young. And I don't know if it was this one. I may very well have been in attendance. Uh, I forgot to ask. But um, yeah, it was crazy, crazy show. Lots of uh, shenanigans afoot. The World War Three concept. You kind of touched on it. The 60 man three ring battle royal. Um, (laughs) I mean, we'll get it more into it once we get to that match. But what did you think of this? I guess the pay-per-view the whole all, all like focused on World War Three, and I guess in general, what you think of that that battle royal concept? I thought it was horrible, dude. I thought the <laughs> yeah, I thought the battle. I and I'm a guy who loves battle royals. Even when they start, you know, it's twenty men in in three different rings or sixty men total. There wasn't an elimination for like twelve minutes. It felt like like that sucked yeah. to me. The camera work sucked to me. And then they had no idea what they were doing as far as like narrowing down rings and who's going to what ring. And then Mm -hmm. there's a lot of fighting outside the ring and the announcers had no idea who was getting eliminated. The fucking Yeti was not in the mummy costume. He was wearing some like ninja garb. They aired it as three giants, one in each ring. 
you got the giant mm-hmm. and you got the Yeti. Who the fuck is the third giant? They were calling Hogan a giant. Like, I get out of here with that. So dude. I think originally the plan was um, to get a uh, giant Gonzalez to be the, the third oh. giant. But it, for whatever reason, didn't pan out. I don't know if I think because I know he like lives, you know, in a different country. I don't know if he wanted to come and do wrestling again. I don't know if he was wrestling full time at this point. But yeah, I think that was the plan originally. Okay. Uh, okay. But uh, yeah, it ended up being just Hogan, I guess, which he's a big fella, I guess. I mean, you got you got like Earthquake and or he was the the shark or the avalanche, I think, at this point. And you had the, the, shark. One, the shark. Yeah, you had the one man gang. Yeah. So you had other big guys that you could have sold as giants. But like the, if you ain't got the third giant, don't advertise it as three giants. Like, who's your third <laughs> giant? Like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> it's such like an unnecessary like tagline to the match because it's not like you could focus in on the giants within the rings anyways it's just a big clusterfuck but you couldn't focus in on anything the way the camera setup was dude (laughs) they gave you three three boxes you couldn't see anything that was going on and like i said the worst part was the announcers had no especially the guy chris cruz maybe whoever was calling Uh it with larry zabisco way too much like he was like marl ranallo on crack and he had no idea what was going on so like Bad, bad. Maybe if you well, just said like, did. no, well, no one did. But Tony and Bobby at least had, and I and I listened to Dusty talk all day. So Dusty being out there was always cool at me. The pay per view right. was great because it got gave me a throwback on the brain. And this was early WCW Bobby Heenan, oh, yeah. where he still cared. It wasn't like ninety eight, ninety nine, where he didn't give a fuck no more. He still gave a shit at this time. So like getting to hear Bobby, Bobby was cool. And Hulk Hogan was not as good as I remember in this face role in WCW, man. Uh, and the crowd, the, is, cr- the crowd in Norfolk was not feeling them either. Did you get those same vibes? Yeah, this is definitely um, whatever the opposite of peak is the valley of his career. It's um, it's like it's like shows like this is like I feel like why they turned him heel in a few months after this, because, yeah, it just was not hitting like he's been in WCW for a little over a year now. We're past the honeymoon phase of him showing up. And, oh, my God, Hulk Hogan, he's jumped ship. Like, we're past that. Now we're just now it's just Hogan doing the same shit, cutting the same promos. It's just it's really bad. And that's uh, very much represented in this opening promo here, which was uh, some good stuff. So we got Mean Gene Okerlund. So he's on like the stage area off to the side, which I do like how they were doing like interviews yeah, um, on the I, stage I, I, there. I, did, I did like that because it sold and it sold the story of the match that was for the title. So I did dig that right. part of it. Yeah. And the whole thing with Hogan, because we're fresh off of Halloween Havoc, where um, they did the whole monster truck thing. Hogan threw the giant off the building. Giant lives. It was the whole thing. But uh, Hogan was kind of embracing his dark side. So he was kind of heelish, but not really. So he was wearing the all black, you know, black shirt, black bandana, all of it. Um, But now here in this opening promo, he sheds the black bandana. He rips off the black T-shirt and uh, brings out the red and yellow once again. So he's uh, he's shed his dark side, this Hulk Hogan, and he throws it in a burning barrel, which I feel like was so over the top and unnecessary. It is literally an on fire barrel. It's like we get it. You could have just taken it off. But um, the black is uh, no more, brother. (laughs) It's, it's, it's hilarious considering Bash at the Beach 96. I believe it's Macho Man and Sting that he turns on, right? In that match? Oh, oh yeah. And, and Hogan quotes here, 
when, or uh, what was it? Yeah, he, he, Hogan quotes, Stinger, I want to be your friend forever. That certainly is not <laughs> not the case. I'm sorry, Stinger. I want to be your friend forever. For seven months, I want to be your friend. Yeah, that made it that made it to the notes. <laughs> Stings even like the black is gone for good. Like he said it so like matter of factly, it's like, man, if you could see into the future. God. And they had no idea this was gonna happen either. So like that, like the whole this foreshadowed something that they didn't know was gonna happen, which is the wildest part about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but the <laughs> Hogan has, I think it's like a, a a copy of the newsletter, the Wrestling Observer, in his hand. I guess because Hogan's like, oh, the internet thinks they have all the scoops, and he's like saying that the internet is saying that Giant's gonna win this battle royal, and he's like, well, let me tell you something. And I think he throws it in the fire as well. He's like, observe this. I well, think what was what, what was actually confusing about that was. He said, these are the dirt sheets, brother. And they said the Giants going to win the championship and the Macho Man fucked his back up. And, you know, that's just not the case. And let me tell you, brother, the dirt sheets are wrong, but the Internet, the Internet is right. So I was like, wait a second, (laughs) wait a second, wait a second. What's the difference between the Internet and the dirt sheets back in 1995? I mean, you tell me you're a bit older than I am. I wasn't on the Internet as a two year old. I don't think so. Ten years old. I don't think it was quite the time for cranking. The internet was great because mm. you would get the, the photographs of Sonny and Sable that you'd be able to print out on your parents' printer and take them upstairs. <laughs> so that's what I had. That's what I had the internet for when it came to wrestling related back in the 95, mm. 96 days. Um, I don't know what Hogan was doing on there. I didn't know there were big time news and rumors and, and whatnot, but they seemed to really care about it because Mean Gene cut a little hotline promo later in the show and i'm sure we'll discuss it yes. when he's talking about the wwf steroid trials like or like what the fuck does that have to do with your world war three show mean gene but mm-hmm. uh this whole promo is whack dude these guys are whack macho man takes the mic stinger when you're wrong you're wrong and i was wrong and and i'm sorry you're a, you're a cool dude i'm like what am i watching right now dude <laughs> And it gets even muddier like after the show with everything that happens. But um, the main thing here is that Macho Man, they've been doing a whole angle on Nitro where Macho Man's arm is injured, which it really is injured at this point. I think he has like a torn tricep or something. That's why it's all taped up. But um, they kind of like were pushing this thing on Nitro where like Luger Luger was attacking his arm and all the Dungeon of Doom guys were attacking Macho Man's arm. And then they come out on this promo and Hogan's like, Nah, his arm's not really injured. It was just a, a, a trick to make you think that it was like, what? But he like his arm is it's taped up. So like, why is it taped up if it's not? It was all stupid. Um, But yeah, so, so, so bad, dude. So bad. I, I, speaking of bad, speaking of bad, <laughs> be bad, John. So we got the, the TV title on the line. John to be bad, the champion versus a diamond Dallas page and uh, the stipulation is that uh, the winner owns the diamond doll, I guess, because she's Kimberly. She's on the line here. Surprised she wasn't on a pole or on a forklift here, but she might as well have <laughs> it's, been. It's not 1999 yet. We'll, we'll get <laughs> That's the real cutting edge stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, DDP has uh, stolen Johnny B. Bad's bad blaster, which I don't know if you caught is a little T-shirt gun that mm-hmm. shoots fucking jizz and glitter or whatever the hell. And uh, but Johnny B. Bad still comes out with the pyro like out of his wrists. So that's fun. 
um, goes out there and uh, yeah, like you said, it was a good match. I think DDP, he's definitely he's not where he would be in like a year or two, but I, f- I feel like he's still a solid, uh, I guess, mid card heel at this point. And like we said, Johnny be bad. I think he's really fun to watch. I think his style with how big he is, but he's also like super athletic. I think he's really ahead of his time here. Um, yeah, you kind of talked about it uh, earlier, but what do you think of this match? Yeah, I'll I'll be quite frank. I didn't know we were live. I thought we were just shooting the shit at the time. Um, <laughs> but oh. I thought, <laughs> <My> <laughs> no, you're all you're all good, dude. Uh, but no, I, again, like I said earlier, I thought the match itself, as far as entering, was fine. I thought it went a little bit too long. I thought they focused a little too much on Kimberly. She was a little irritating to me outside, just because she was making. I thought she was making weird facial expressions. I guess maybe it was just at the end of the match when when Johnny B. Bad won and she was just like all weird and hesitant, like, yo, you've been holding up the 10 for him. You've been cheering for him to win this match. And now mm-hmm. he wins the match and you're going to be sitting there looking like a lost dog on the outside of the ring. It's like, <laughs> why well, come on? Like, what are you doing, dude? Your man, your, your man that you wanted to win just won. get your ass in there and celebrate, like be happy, smile, rejoice. That's what I meant by like her weird facial expressions, which kind of took right. away from me and the match went a little too long. And I hated the fact that Johnny B. Bad hit like a jumping tombstone for a two count. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? No one kicks out of a tombstone. Are you kidding There's me? There's a couple sh- of those on this show. Yeah, like that move should have been so protected. And it's like all over the place. I was like, damn, dude. But for 1995, I thought the entering the work rate was fine. And Johnny B. Bad really was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of uh, Diamond Doll's reaction after the match, I'm, I'm definitely with you. Um, but the match itself, there was some fun offense. You have like DDP's reverse pancake, which is essentially a, a tombstone, but in a slam and not a pile driver. Uh, he hits this and asks the diamond doll to hold up a 10, but she won't give it to him. But uh, what she will give a 10 is when Johnny Johnny B. Bad fights back with a clothesline and a power bomb. And then Johnny B. Bad points at her. He's like, give me a 10. And she's like, oh, yeah. So she's like clearly on the side of Johnny B. Bad here. And then we have uh, towards the end, we got a a bad mood by <laughs> Johnny B. Bad. I fucking can't stand all of his names for his fucking moves. But uh, I feel like there's like three moves in this match where the commentary team was calling it the bad mood. But it is what it is. Uh, but towards the end, it's a helo to the outside on a DDP, throws him in the ring, jumps over the rope with a leg drop and gets the one, two, three and retains the title. And uh, yeah, like you said, Diamond Doll, she was like with Johnny B. Bad this whole time. But now she's like, oh, she's like conflicted. Like, why are you conflicted? You're very much you're being abused by DDP and there's whatever. But um, but yeah, it was it was a good match, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For, for those times. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, we'll see more of them later in the show, of course. And uh, cuts the gene. Mean gene. And uh, like you said, he's like, <laughs> you thought you thought you heard the the last about the WWF steroid scandal, but oh, we got a hot we got a hot ticket here. Call the hotline. Did you ever call the hotline back in the day? No, never. Thank God, my parents would have probably <laughs> killed me. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't have taken that. No, I got to hear about the steroid scandal. No, Mom, they would. They were pretty good about getting me pay per views, which was cool, and they always let me go and rent you know, the, the VHSs cause that's how you did it back in the day to watch wrestling. But mm. no, I was never, I was never hitting up no hotlines. No. <laughs> yeah. I can't conceptualize that, but people loved it. I guess, I guess that's why it was a thing. Um, but I do love the competition aspect cause we're like very early on in the Monday night wars. Nitro just started like two months ago, I think for, at this time. So, um, 
don't know. What, what do you think about that? Like companies poking because we still we, we see it today, too. But this is kind of an early, an early iteration of it. I don't I don't mind it then I, or I don't mind it now. And I didn't mind it then. When I saw it, I just kind of laughed. I was just like, what the fuck does this have anything to do with your World War Three show? But I guess if you're trying to make money, make money. I, you know, take your jabs or you can yeah. take your jabs. I'm fairly certain on the other side of the dial, they were still doing the billionaire Ted skits or they had just got done doing the billionaire Ted skits and the nacho man mm. skits. Uh, that might've been <laughs> late. That might've been late 94, but you know, they had went hard with those skits. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I definitely can see them shooting back at the other side. I don't have a problem with it at all. Just felt really random right here in the middle of your big pay-per-view. Considering the people they have on the roster at this point, I mean, were people that were like the main, like Hogan, Macho Man, Luger, like these are the steroid guys. And now you're like calling attention to it. It seems a bit weird, but a couple guys that probably weren't on steroids are in this next match. Jim Duggan versus (laughs) I can't fucking stand Jim Duggan, dude. He's uh, (laughs) do you have a (laughs) point? Is that signed by him? Oh, oh, Jesus. Is that the one that he used in this match? Um, it would be really cool. Doubt it, though. Yeah, I got it. My buddy bought that for me uh, for Christmas one year. That's hysterical. uh, Two by four. Hell yeah. Is that is that where you keep bedside? Like if a burglar (laughs) (laughs) invades your home? (laughs) Ironically, I do keep it with all of my machetes and shit. So I got to keep it like up in my closet away from my kids. But I had just taken it out the other day because I was doing a show and I wanted to show it. And well, it was right here. Hacksaw came up and hey, tough guy. Uh, <laughs> no better time to have it out, I guess. But uh, shit. Yeah. So it's a taped fist match, which is like, I don't know, man. Maybe you've seen more taped fist matches than I have. But what do you, what do you think about this match stipulation here? I <laughs> I don't know. I I thought it was stupid. Uh, I didn't. I really didn't think anything of it. All I thought was like, oh man, more old WWF guys. Like that was all I could really think about it. Like I didn't really care. I loved the boss man, you know, Big Bubba, um, and I loved Hacksaw. You know, when they were in all their Survivor Series matches, old school WWF SummerSlams. But at this point, like, who cares about these two guys? And to make it worse, IRS getting involved and in it made it oh awful. So like, <laughs> while I like. Hacksaw and Bossman individually, I give no fucks about this match. This match is full of who gives a fuck. Like, all everyone involved, like, again, like, the people, like, I'm sure they're nice fellas. But in 1995, I couldn't give two fucks about either of these guys. Um, taped no. fist match. They're, they're pushing this whole thing, like, if you have tape around your fist, it, like, adds power to your punches, which is, like, not... And my understanding is that it's supposed to protect your knuckles. So maybe yes, if anything, yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> you can punch more maybe, but literally they'll just like wrap like some loose tape around their fists and like hit the guy and it'll like kill them, which is like not <laughs> what the thing is. But so bad, dude. It was so bad. It's so stupid. I mean, uh, Big Bubba comes out, Duggan jumpstarts City, attacks him from behind in the aisle way, has, has his board like wrapped around his neck he's like wearing it like a necklace has like a chain or something to hold it up duggan has his whole like whole arm taped up as if like the more tape that's on (laughs) on your arm (laughs) the more devastating your strikes are gonna be like goddamn idiot um he is so stupid that was always his like character every time i looked at him i'm like that is a stupid man right there (laughs) 
That's a gimmick. He's just a stupid person. Yeah, dude. Like, he goes to hit Bubba with his board, but Bubba, he's like, he just asks him not to, so Jim Duggan doesn't, and he drops his board, and then they keep fighting. So it's like, that's all you gotta do to defend yourself, <laughs> I guess, from Jim Duggan. Uh, and this, at this point, this is, the part, this is the part where I notice that the commentary table is, like, right up against the ring. <laughs> like, Bubba gets knocked out of the ring, and it, like, pretty much falls on Tony and Brain. Um... And then they're utilizing because it's a three ring setup. So it's like a triangle kind of. And they're utilizing all of the rings, which I think is pretty fun, because nowadays when they have two rings, it's like they pretend the other one doesn't exist. Yeah. But here and a few other matches, they're like utilizing all the rings, which is a fun little uh, makes it feel unique, I suppose. Yep. Um, I, would, I, like would, one, I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. Like at one point, <laughs> Duggan sticks Bubba's head in between the ring posts of ring one and two and. They like he beats them into the third ring and they're just fighting all over the place. Uh, at one point, Bubba gets the upper hand. He pulls more tape out of his pocket and wraps some more around it, because like we said, you know, it'll just make it everything all the more devastating. Um, and at, at this point, Tony Schiavone on commentary actually makes a good point. He's like, well, if they're fighting in other rings, wouldn't that be a count out? Because, like, there's oh, one dude. official ring. <laughs> so I think you're fighting in the ring two for whatever long. Like, why aren't you getting counted out? But Wouldn't you think a tape fist um, match should have no DQs and no countouts? Wouldn't that be the type of match that, that would be more like a no-holds-barred match? It's just my thought. That's a good point. I think you actually just debunked him right there. Um, at some point, they get back to the main ring. Bubba tapes jim duggan to the top rope which is fun i feel like in a taped fist match it's probably like the ideal spot yeah. that you want um really making use of the tape and uh bubba has them all taped up he runs at jim duggan and then hacksaw just holds his fist out and bubba runs into it like it's fucking three stooges and he gets knocked out <laughs> and uh yeah, duggan backdrops him out of the ring unties himself hits the old three-point stance clothesline and then uh, if this isn't ridiculous enough, out comes IRS, a.k.a. VK Wall Street with a, a chain and he gets on the apron. Duggan hits VK in the ribs with the board, but uh, he throws the chain to Bubba and then Bubba grabs the chain, uppercuts Duggan with it. And apparently it's a 10 count. Apparently it's last man standing rules, which I don't know if they mentioned. Maybe I just missed it, but it was really made clear. I didn't see it. No, I guess that's what a tape fist match entails. So fuck countouts, right? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bubba wins by KO. So uh, good stuff, right? No, like you said, every, <laughs> every, everything about this match can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it was so stupid. Like this whole show feels like just biding time to the main event, kind of. So. The, yeah, it was all focused around the main event. Every single match was focused around the main event. They were even talking about the main event inside of every match. So, like, oh, oh, like Johnny B. Bad and Dallas Page, like Tony and Shivani, Shivani and Brain argued. Shivani's like, uh, they have no advantage, be, or they're at a disadvantage because they have to wrestle. And Bobby's like, well, no, Shivani, they're on, they're the first match. If they were fifth or sixth on the card, they'd have a major disadvantage, which I guess is fair if you're on the card, but. Theoretically, they're both mm -hmm. right, because if you're not wrestling like Hogan, you got a better chance of winning, I would think. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But uh, after this match, they cut back to the stage or they cut to the commentary team and they're uh, plugging CompuServe. Have you ever heard of CompuServe before this show? 
Yeah, I have. What was it like? An old uh, computer company? I, I think I probably I wasn't paying attention at this point. It seems like a like a chat room because apparently you can uh, log on onto the World Wide Web and talk oh. to your favorite WCW superstars. I don't know if you ever got a chance to chat with uh, the Macho Man or Kevin Sullivan or whoever the fuck is on there. No, no, I was too busy in AOL chat rooms like ASL. And you're right. for that. <laughs> Age, sex, location. Where you at? I'm, I was like on the tail end of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Speaking of which, we got a women's match up next, which is, uh, God, maybe the first one ever for WCW. I mean, probably not, but it's the first one I've seen for sure. Um, at least, you know, since I started rewatching all this stuff in 94. But so we got a, uh, a tag team match. We got Akira Hakudo. Huku- and Bull Nakano versus Cutie Suzuki and Mayumi Ozaki. So we got some, uh, I think half of them are all Japan and the other half is JWP, which I guess is another women's promotion in Japan. Um, but what, what was interesting about this is because they did a Japanese women's match on Survivor Series, which was like the week before this. So I don't know if like all the Japanese women were just like on a tour of America and were just appearing on these shows. I don't know if you know anything about that or not. No, I wasn't sure. I, all I thought to myself was, oh, shit, it's Bull Nakano. She's cool as fuck. And that was about it. No. Yeah, because like WWF, they had like Aja Kong and some other Japanese women uh, appear yeah. and uh, wrestle Alundra Blaze, who was like the only female yeah, on the roster Bo- at that point. Bull Nakano had done that a year earlier. I think it was the 94 Survivor Series or SummerSlam. She wrestled mm-hmm. Alondra Blaze, I want to say. I could be totally off of my dates, but nonetheless. No, you're, I think you're absolutely she, right. Cool. Yeah, she that was that, a, that match with Blaze, yeah. That was a banger of a match, by the way. It's like, you yeah. think of mid-90s women's wrestling, you're like, oh, it's probably all shit. But it's actually, there's some really talented women wrestling at this point. They just don't get the spotlight. But yeah, because if they were actually getting the matches, they had to be <clears throat> talented to get, you know, on screen or put on the card, especially back then. Yeah. But yeah, that's why I thought when I saw Bull Nakano, I was like, oh, shit, this will be good. And it was fine. You know, it was nothing spectacular, but it was a fine match. The right team won. Bull got the win. I was happy about that. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was super fast paced and there were some really fun spots in this. I think in the context of 95, this was way more action packed than your normal 1995 match so to me it just really stood out uh any particular spots stand out to you in this i mean this this was pretty chaotic this match but uh i thought it was fun no i thought i thought it was fun they were all over the place like you said Uh, no nothing nothing particular i was just looking to get for for bull to get the win and i thought all four women hit some some really cool spots and did some cool things and then yeah like i said i thought the right the right team went over in the end mainly because i knew who she was and i thought she was cool as fuck Oh, yeah. And she came off as a monster, too. There's one point where Bull, <laughs> she grabs, I think it was Osaki, by the hair and just hair whips the shit out of her. I'm surprised that hair was still, I'm surprised she didn't scalp her <laughs> with that shit. Um, power bombs by Bull all over the place. There's one point where, because uh, Suzuki and Ozaki, the people that are fighting Bull, they hit like four double stomps from the top rope, like one after the other, just taking turns. Uh, really making it seem like they're like trying to conquer King Kong or some shit. Um, at one point, Bull Nakano hits a double suplex on both of them. But uh, yeah, lots of cross bodies, Rana's, uh, submissions all over the place, German suplexes. Very, uh, very, very ahead of its time, I think, as far as women's wrestling goes. But ultimately, uh, Bull and Hakudo hit a doomsday device 
onto uh, Mayumi. But uh, Cutie makes the save, but then Bull Nakano makes a, hits a leg drop onto Ozaki, which looked brutal. <laughs> but that mm-hmm. gives Bull the win. And uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was just very, it felt out of left field, especially for WCW, especially for 1995. So I, I was pleasantly surprised by this. Yeah, yeah, very, very solid match for sure. Um, but after that, it cuts to maybe my favorite part of the show. We got a mean gene with Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger. And uh, so Jimmy Hart's doing his thing. He's cutting promos like Jimmy Hart does with the high pitched, all that shit. And uh, <laughs> like after Jimmy Hart gets done talking Hart, because they're like on the stage area where they've been. So Jimmy Hart gets done talking. He turns to the crowd to kind of rile them up. But at the same time, Lex Luger puts his hand up to high five Jimmy Hart, but Jimmy Hart <laughs> just completely leaves him. It's, it was hilarious. I don't know if you caught that or not, but if you I, didn't, I, please go back. I, no, I didn't. I'll have to go back. I was, you know, I actually thought Lex cut a pretty good promo there, dude. Um, got me invested in his match with Savage. So I, I didn't mm-hmm. notice. I didn't notice the high five. And yeah, I thought Jimmy Hart was great doing, doing what he does, screaming into the mic and getting everyone riled up. Fans hated him because he had just recently turned on the Huckster and the Nacho Man. <laughs> right yeah no lex it was a decent promo although it did look like he was like reading cue cards or some shit because he was like looking yes! down the whole Dude, time <laughs> yes i totally forgot to fucking mention that man it looked like his first like four sentences he was directly reading off of a script crazy yeah i'm almost 100 percent sure he was it was like he was on fucking snl or some shit like he was it's yeah, probably why it was. Whatever. It's probably why it was a, a good promo because it didn't come yeah. fucking off of his rock hat. It probably came fucking from someone in the back writing it out for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever. Whatever you need to do to get the total package over, I guess. I love Lex. I was always a huge fan. If you didn't see the documentary, go check the mm. documentary out on A and E and cheap plug floorslippersports.com. Go check it out. I wrote a recap of it. I thought it was a hell of a write. So go check it out. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, from what I've seen of Lex Luger, maybe I haven't seen him at his peak, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. But, but you know what? I'll, I'll read up on that. Maybe you'll maybe you'll yeah. you'll flip me. Well, I was a, I was a little kid when Hogan left WWF to go to yeah. WCW and Vince McMahon put Lex Luger in the place of Hulk Hogan. So naturally, I was like, oh, Hulk, Hogan's gone. That sucks. But now I got new Hogan. And Luger, at the time, I didn't understand that's new Hogan when I'm eight or nine. I'm just like, dude, this yeah. guy just suplex or body slam Yokozuna. Let's go. It's still the biggest travesty in wrestling history that Lex Luger didn't beat Yokozuna at the 93 SummerSlam. I digress. We'll get back to this mm-hmm. match. And one of my favorite parts about Lex Luger is always like, oh, oh, he's always yelling, dude. How many times did you catch him <laughs> yelling in this match with Savage, bro? Oh, what, in the fucking minute and a half match that they had? Yeah, probably Probably a few times. I wasn't really yeah. counting the grunts per se, he but maybe I'll go back grunter, and check it out. Dude. They're deep, man. All the time. It's the funniest shit, man. Every Lex Luger match, you grunts like crazy. <laughs> I've never noticed that. I, I know it's like Paul Orndorff will grunt a lot. And he'll do the <laughs> <laughs> like it's like a bodybuilding breathing technique or whatever the fuck. But uh yeah, can't say that I noticed the grunts. But go ch- go check it out. You'll you'll notice one right in the outside in the beginning of the match. I was dead, dude. And in this match. Lex actually used a submission. I've never, you know, the torture rack, obviously, but I've never mm-hmm. seen him end a match with a fucking arm submission. I know that was the story, but I was, I was like, okay, Lex, look at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before that, 
before we get to the beauty that is Lex Luger versus Macho Man, we got uh, the U.S. title on the line. Got the champion, Kensuke Sasaki versus Chris Benoit. What's your uh, what's your favorite Kensuke Sasaki match, Tim? Um, I actually, believe it or not, have seen a lot of highlights of him from Japan. Uh, Sasaki is a five time IWGP heavyweight champion, which I oh, I, is went he? Back, I went back in and read up today because I remember this particular thing. And this is why I watched him or like what the segments that I've seen. He is a former mm-hmm. two time, I believe, IWGP tag team champion with Road Warrior Hawk. I believe they called mm. themselves the Power Warriors or something like that. And he, or he in particular called himself Power Warrior and Hawk was Hawk Warrior. And they did their thing over in New Japan. So I knew just a mm-hmm. little when I was 10 years old, I knew absolutely nothing about society. Right. Um, now that I'm a little more well versed in wrestling, I, I do. So I thought that was really cool that we get to see him. And then Benoit looked great, dude. His body. I didn't realize that. I always thought Benoit was a lot skinnier back then. He was still Mm -hmm. swolled up, dude. He had a really thick body, and everything he did was great. But, yeah, as far as Sasaki goes, nothing went when I was 10, but now pretty pretty well-versed. Good good wrestler. Yeah. I mean, I'd never heard of him before this match, but, yeah, he looks like a beast, and I think him and Benoit meshed really well. I mean, this match was definitely, like, I guess kind of strong style-ish. It definitely had that vibe of, like, almost like a Haas match, even though, you know, Benoit is not particularly huge. Uh, He is built but um just two brick shit houses just mashing together uh with some good chain wrestling too you know it wasn't just like the you know a brawl or uh you know a clothesline off there was some really uh, good chain wrestling in the beginning um suicide dives military presses by sasaki uh benoit also hits a tombstone uh further <laughs> just shitting on undertaker's finish here uh german suplexes benoit hits a headbutt from the top of frankensteiner some really fun offense in this match but ultimately uh benoit hits a lariat and uh sasaki just absorbs it rebounds it rebounds off the ropes with his own lariat and he's the by far bigger man so he just takes out benoit with that lariat and then hits a northern lights bomb for the win so sasaki retains his title and uh yeah just a really good match really good match yeah, I thought the match. Um, I thought the match was a lot of fun. There's a couple of spots that, like, Benoit's Benoit, dude. When he did the dive to the outside, he cracked his head on uh, the metal, dude, yeah. the metal um, bar- barricade, the rail, and I was just like, God, fuck, man. You wonder why this guy's fucking. Yeah, no excuse. I mean, we ain't gonna talk about that shit. But like, you wonder why he got that CT and cracked his head that way, dude. And then the way he dude, executes yeah. that diving headbutt every single match, three quarters across the ring. I mean, there's nothing prettier than that, dude. That Frankenstein off the top, like you said, was beautiful. But the diving headbutt and the dive to the outside where he hit his head on the barricade, I'm just like, oh, my God, dude. dude he, like, he did that a lot when he would do that. Su- well, suicide dive is kind of uh, morbid <clears throat> to call it. But <laughs> fuck, that's fuck. What, Tope Suicida. Yeah, is that, yeah, is that yeah, friendlier? No. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, he just went he he went all in on it, man. And uh, it looked good, but goddamn did he pay for it. And uh Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he sure did. What I wanted to actually talk about with this match was what happened after this. So I did a little research because I was curious where the US title went after this. And because I know that at Starcade they had the best of seven worlds collide. Oh, worlds collide. They had the WCW versus uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um mm-hmm. Sasaki lost the belt to do you know who he lost the belt to 
I'm not sure. I know he just won it from Sting at like a, a New Japan yeah. WCW World Collide. Do you know kind who they show. had him lose the fucking belt to? The one man gang on something that <laughs> didn't air on television. The whole roster. This man loses the belt to the one man gang. I was reading up. I was like, that is disgusting, dude. The one man gang. What? So was was that his name in WWF as well? He early was or yeah, early he was Akeem the Dream. It was a he was a Dusty right. Rhodes um Mark or what not Markov uh copycat. Basically, he was just making fun of Dusty in that role. Then he was with the Twin Towers and Boss Man, and then he became the one man gang. And all he was was just a he never won shit. He was just a big foil for Hogan or you know any other oh yeah. kitty or any other uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> big guy or you know rising star or whatever. But that yeah when I read that that was gross. Even like they really focused on the one man gang in the World War Three Battle Royal, and I was like he's top ten. Been? He's one of the last. I think he might be the last person eliminated in that match if I remember correctly. Yeah, I was like, why are they putting so much fucking uh, like credence into this guy? But whatever man it, it is what it is the match i thought the match was fucking fire dude and benoit's head why it got to got how it got no well, gives us some entertaining matches in the meantime i guess um but yeah benoit he's a new member of the four horsemen as well yeah. gotta mention that cool really uh cool variation of it i wish we got would have got to see more of it this this variation didn't last very long it was flair right. arn anderson brian pillman and chris benoit but that would have been a really cool group to see for a uh, su- substantial amount of time. Yeah, because Pillman, I think, leaves like beginning of 96 or something like that. So and yeah. we're in November here, so not too long. But um, <laughs> the promos just keep on coming, man. We got me and Gene Oakland again on the stage with the Dungeon of Doom. So we got uh, the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, Jimmy Hart. And in the background, we got the Giant. A.K.A. Paul White, A.K.A. The Big Show. Man, early, uh, early Big Show here, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's he gives Lex Luger a run for his money as far as the promos go. Um, I don't know if you how much attention you paid to this promo. There wasn't a lot happening, honestly. Like whenever Kevin Sullivan speaks, my brain just turns off. Uh, <laughs> he's so bad, dude. Like, <laughs> so, he is he so fucking bad. You want to talk about someone who could fuck off? He did yeah. nothing substantial his whole career. I guess everyone loves him, but he can fuck off, dude. It's um, yeah, maybe he's valuable backstage. Maybe he's valuable as a booker in some way. But goddamn, as a as a character, as an entering competitor, there's no no value to be had with no. the Taskmaster here. But uh, the Giants, he's. Go back, go back and watch this and just pay attention to the giant because he's literally his facials are so goofy. He's doing these things with his hands. He's trying to look menacing <laughs> like the whole is it. But it's so he's doing it for so long. It's so awkward. And he's doing this like heart speaks. Sullivan speaks. And then the giant gets a chance to talk. And it's this is a 60 man battle royal. I'm going to throw you all of you over the top rope and kick your butts to Kalamazoo. It's like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? Just look menacing, giant. Like, that's all you need to do. The goofy ass put on voice. I don't know. What would you think of early big show here? I never thought anything of him. I thought he was a huge dude. I actually believe that he was Andre's son. In in, In this interview, Mean Gene turns around and goes, your dad would be disappointed in you. 
Like, I was right. like, your dad. I'm like, Andre, what the fuck, dude? So well, that they got was the really same last name, you see. Giant, giant, giant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're clearly related. So, well, we got uh, we kind of talked about it earlier, but Randy Savage versus Lex Luger. So uh, this has been a whole thing. Uh, Luger came in. He tried to align himself with, you know, Macho Man and Hogan and Sting. But Macho Man never trusted Luger. And then ultimately he was right because Luger ended up turning on him and Hogan and all those guys. Um, but obviously, and in addition, Luger attacked Randy's arm on Nitro, trying to put him out. Um, but his arm's still injured here, I guess, even though Hogan said it wasn't. Oh, no, it's a whole thing. <laughs> but the match is very quick. I'm, I'm guessing because of Macho Man's injury. Uh, Savage, he hits an elbow from the top. Uh, but Jimmy Hart distracts the ref. And then Savage throws Luger at Jimmy Hart. But Jimmy moves and Luger goes to the outside. They fight on the outside for a little bit. Torture rack on the outside by Luger. Throws him in the ring. And then Luger just puts on this shitty arm lock and Macho Man taps out. So weird finish, but I guess it makes sense considering the injury. I guess that's the story they were trying to tell. But uh, I don't know, man. It just feels like an unnecessary addition, especially with all the extra stuff they do in the main event. I feel like this was not needed at all. Yeah, no, the match definitely wasn't needed. Uh, I thought the match was fine. Savage, I love Savage's elbow drop. It's so pretty, so we got to see that. Once it got to the outside, though, Shivani's sitting there screaming, it's a count-out, it's a count-out, it's a count-out. Like, what, what's a count-out, Tony? I, what I'm getting at is early Tony might not as be as good as I remember either because <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, a count-out. He's just got him in the rack, bro. He can rack him and get him inside, like... I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, the end of the match was a little odd to me. The arm bar was weird. Why not just rack him? I get it. They're selling the arm injury. And again, like I said earlier, Lex did an arm submission and won by it. I don't think Macho tapped out. I think he passed out or was already yeah, passed yeah. out from the torture rack or something. Um, so Macho still kind of looks strong. But at the end of the day, uh, it was not nothing five-star. When you think about it, like a Luger, Savage, Stink, Flair, Coleman event, you'd think like big fireworks. And this one definitely was uh uh thunder uh th- thursday night thunder match <laughs> yeah well man you got lex luger showing his technical prowess in there he's, <laughs> he's a wizard inside the ring in between oh, those ropes, so yeah <laughs> um did it before jericho did but uh after that we got sting versus rick flair if you've ever seen a stick sting versus rick flair match you've seen them all i feel like although this one did have the element where there was three rings and like Sting would just kick the shit out of Flair and then Flair would run off. He would like he would run out of ring one into ring two and then they would fight and they, he would run into ring three and then they would fight. So that added a little bit of an element to it that uh, I feel like people haven't seen before. But otherwise, like, I don't know, Flair works the leg of Sting. Sting fights back. He powers up. He comes back. Gorilla press. Superplex. Scorpion Deathlock and Ric Flair taps out. So Sting gets the win here. And uh, it was a solid match, I guess. But again, probably just a, a cookie cutter match with these guys. I enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoyed the match. I thought what you were talking about earlier with having the three rings. This was the match in particular that it really was good for. I liked how they fought in all three rings. I like how Nick Patrick threw Flair down at one point. And, you know, you got two gorilla presses from Sting in this match. So maybe it went a little, little longer than their other ones. Well, not, you know, they've had 60 minute matches, but 
you're getting two gorilla presses. Uh, maybe it's just because they were in separate rings. I'm not sure. Right. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about this match, though, was what led up to it. You want to talk yes. about stupid fucking booking, dude. So Ric Flair decides that he's going to feud with former best friend Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman, who are representing the Four Horsemen, mm-hmm. all to enlist Sting's help just so they can turn on Sting. Well, why wouldn't the three of them just attack Sting in the first place? Why waste three months of television booking? It made no sense. None. Uh-huh. It was stupid as fuck. I thought it was silly back then. Like, as a kid, I, you know, whatever. It's, it's cool. Like, maybe Ric Flair is going to be with Sting. I mean, maybe that's why they're telling the story. But at, at the end of the day, it made absolutely fucking zero sense as an adult looking back on it. Like, why? Uh-huh. Why would they fucking even waste their time doing that? I guess maybe they just wanted to shoehorn in a Flair Arn Anderson match. Maybe they just wanted to get to that, and then but they maybe saw that there wasn't a longevity to it. Maybe they just uh, oh you know what let's bring back the Horseman that always works. Who knows, I guess, man? It that, was just... I guess that's true. Maybe they tried it and no one was fucking buying into it, and they were like fuck it. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about with this match is. Sting has a fat fucking ass, bro. That, <laughs> yo, that dude must be fucking squatting like crazy yeah. back in the day, dude. That thing was fucking a dump truck, dude. That was a Bailey ass. I was like, Ooh. look at Sting's ass, dude. That guy has got it going on there, dude. <laughs> that was it. That was, that, was, that was like my main takeaway from that match. That was your one bullet. Fat ass. <laughs> Fuckable hiney on the stinger. <laughs> Sting has got a, a booty, baby. <laughs> he does. You know what? I can't sue you for slander. He does have a juicy, juicy rump on him. Never noticed. Um, well, now I'm going to go back and add that to my spank bank. But well, speaking of which, actually, uh, kind of on brand with that. So weirdly in the middle of this match between Ric Flair and Sting, Sherry Martell and Colonel Parker come out, which that's been kind of a whole side story, like because Colonel Parker is managing the stud stable, which is like Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Slater. And then Sherry's managing the Harlem Heat. And then those two teams were having a match. And then at one point, (laughs) Sherry and Colonel Parker lock eyes and they like make out in the middle of the ring. And that's kind of been a whole like background thing. It's like but Sherry and Colonel Parker literally just come out hand in hand, sit and watch the match. And then nothing else happens. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? Weird. Yeah, you would have thought that they'd put that, you know, filler somewhere else in, in the show, not your co-main event, Sting and Flair. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention before we get off this match was they brought up Eddie Guerrero on commentary, which I thought was very random. And they said, mm-hmm. um, a guy I think that has a great chance tonight is Eddie Guerrero. 95, very random, no? Dude, I had the same thought. And, um... He they're he's they're pushing him hard here because he recently just debuted in WCW and um, very I don't know if it's the Latino audience they're trying to capture or what it is, but uh, he's a very prominent focal point in WCW and in the main event, which yeah. uh, might as well get into it, man. The uh, three ring battle royal, the World War three match. It is uh, for the WCW heavyweight title. And the reason for that is because the world title was vacated. Um, So at Halloween Havoc, Hogan, Giant, they had a match where Hogan was defending the title. And uh, Hogan lost due to DQ. And uh, so Jimmy Hart, 
put it in his contract that if Hogan lost via DQ, that he would lose the title. But this is when Hogan was with Jimmy Hart, so Hogan didn't have any reason to question him. But then Jimmy Hart turns on him in the match. It's a whole thing. There's a lot of shenanigans afoot. So basically, nobody knows who the world champion is, so they just put it up as vacant and decide that uh, this match will crown the new champion. Uh, And like you said, each ring is supposedly has a giant. So you got uh, the Yeti in one ring. You got um, the giant in another ring. And you got Hulk Hogan in the other ring. It's supposed to be Giant Gonzalez, assuming, but was not to be. But yeah, I don't even know where we fucking begin with this, man. First of all, the three broadcast teams. I think you brought this up earlier, but... I mean, I guess it makes sense because I guess one team can't see everything, but I feel like the three separate teams didn't really bring that much more clarity to it anyways. So I don't know. Do you think that was a good move? Uh, I mean, it's tough because how they're positioned, you're definitely not going to be able to see the two far, far rings from where they were set up at, at, at their broadcasting desk um, Bob, or Tony and Bobby. So I guess you, you could do that. It was just a cluster how they jump back and forth and. I mean, if you're going to be doing this, at least know what's going on. I don't. The third team killed me. Larry, Larry's team killed me. I don't know who his his host <laughs> was. I think it was Chris. Chris Cruz. Cruz. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I did not like him. I did not like him at all, man. It was it was something. It was just so much chaos. It's like, what do I pay attention to? Like, there's three rings. Even if I'm just looking at one ring, there's just like there's everything happening, but there's also nothing happening at the same time because this whole thing is just people walking around doing weak offense on people just like kind of some people aren't even doing anything they're just kind of standing around looking kind well, of just waiting like, for their they're spot. like macho man's getting jumped in the corner we don't even know where fucking macho man is on our screen dude they're like hogan's getting jumped by the dungeon of doom at this point mm-hmm. like what ring is hogan even in because hogan was just on the floor did hogan return to the right ring dude, like you had yeah. guys fighting on the floor the horsemen jumping fucking sting hogan out there fucking trying to get flair back in the ring I guess what I would have done personally, because the way we've seen it, like I said earlier, it's kind of like when we do these chats, there'd be three boxes. They put three boxes, three equal boxes up and they jumped announce team to announce team. What I would have done is I would have just focused on one ring at a time and put the camera on the one ring, jump to ring two, go to ring three. But these guys didn't even have eliminations. I felt like for like 10 minutes, like 10, 12, 15 minutes into the match, only like eight guys are gone. Like, yo, you got a whole fucking locker room of jobbers there. Get rid of the <laughs> 20, 25 people who are meaningless and then let those 30 go at each other. I don't know, man. Just right. my thought. So I wasn't going to like list the people that were in this match, but I kind of want to look at the uh, the card just to see some of the hilarious like jobbers. That were a oh, part of this bro, match. It was, it was bad, bad. I'm like watching this shit like, why even do this? You have like six guys, five guys who are believable to win it. But mm-hmm. it was a it was a cool concept. I dug it as a kid hardcore, like hardcore dug it. Yeah, I, I get it in a sense that it's like, and I think the whole reason they did it is just because it hasn't been done. It's something that they did before WWF kind of, you know jump piggybacking on the Royal Rumble concept a little bit, but just kind of adding an extra element to it. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think because like you said, there was three squares that took up the screen. So you had a small visual of everything that was happening, which makes an already difficult match to follow even more difficult to follow. So it's like I agree. They should have like because one commentary team would speak at a time. 
So you should have just had that align with what was on the screen and it just kind of switch back and forth, which still would have been chaotic. But I, I do agree. I think that would have been better. But uh, God, some of the I mean, yeah, obviously you have like Hogan's, the Macho Man's, Lex Luger, like pretty much everybody that's been on the card so far is in this match. We also have like Dick Slater. You got uh, the Nasty Boys. You got VK Wall Street, Hugh Morris. Um, those are th- those guys are good compared to some of the guys in the match. Yeah, at least, I'm like at looking at names. Mark Starr, Joey Mags, there we uh, go. There Max we go. Muscle. Who Scott I know who Max Armstrong. Muscle is. But he sucks. Scott Armstrong, um, Pez Watley. Who fucking uh, Pez Wat? Wait, where is it? I lost it. Pez Watley or something. Who was the guy wearing the green pants? I thought that was Buff. But Buff was like going heel at this point or like starting to he go was dark there. at this point. But I couldn't. Yeah, yeah Buff, Buff was wearing black pants. I, I did find Buff. But there was a guy wearing bright greens and I couldn't figure out who that was. And I didn't I want to go know. back and watch, rewind excited. S- Super assassin number two. Big train <laughs> Bart. Fucking Fidel Sierra. Like just no name guys. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess they got to fill the 60 man quota because that's literally all. That's the whole point of it, I guess. But yeah, just nonsense. And like you mentioned the Yeti, the Yeti, they built up to this dude. He closes out a pay-per-view Halloween Havoc by butt fucking Hogan in the submission. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge deal. It's with the best toilet visual, paper. Dude. dude, it's something. It is a visual. That's for sure. But he's coming out here as in a, as a ninja, and I actually researched it. Apparently, that was a future gimmick of his. The Super Giant Ninja was his name. <laughs> Which, Fuck, I guess he is right. He's he's a giant ninja, so can't get any worse than the toilet paper, I suppose. But he gets eliminated fucking immediately. He might be the first one eliminated. The Yeti, yeah. So, I think he, I think he was. And the worst part about that is. He's the giant. He's 18 feet tall. And fucking Chris Cruz has no idea that this guy has been eliminated. Bro, you're watching this match. There's only 20 guys. He's 10 feet feet tall. How do you know he's eliminated? I digress. (laughs) You don't like Chris Cruz, do you? I hated him, man. I hated him. (laughs) It got major heat with Chris Cruz. Um, But yeah, they just flip in from commentary team to commentary team. It's, It's so like they're talking so fast and loud. It's so chaotic. Which I guess, how could it not be, I suppose. But um, Lex gets eliminated at some point, but the ref doesn't see it. So he just gets back in the ring. Uh, it's like, what do you have to focus on, ref? You're literally just there to see who gets eliminated. But um, yeah, lots of jobbers start getting eliminated. And then uh, at this point, I'm watching this. I'm like, I'll just wait until it's like the final 10 until, until I really <laughs> pay yeah. attention. Because another aspect of this. So when a ring... Because there's three rings. Each has 20 people in it. When it gets down to 10 person and 10 people in a ring, they all have to go to ring one. <laughs> so you have this awkward situation like ring two, I think, is the first one that gets down to 10 people. So they all have to just awkwardly like leave the ring and then like enter the ring. One. It's like, why would you even get in ring one? Because you're just putting yourself in a situation where you can get eliminated. But it is what it is. Um Stretchers all are all over the place. I guess they're just trying to put forward how <laughs> dangerous this is, I suppose. I think Scott Armstrong gets stretchered out at some point. Uh, ring three gets down to 10 people as well, but they don't want to leave. So they just keep fighting in ring three until eventually <laughs> some of them make their way to when they feel like it, make their way to ring one. 
And like I said, man, this match is just a bunch of half-assed offense, just people standing around. Nothing really happens until like the final 10, which so okay, so here's the final 10 people. So you got Hogan, Macho Man, Lex Luger, the One Man Gang, Paul Orndorff, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, The Giant, Sting, and Eddie Guerrero, which was Eddie, kind of out of left Eddie, field too. Eddie, Eddie. Dude, it was um crazy to see like Eddie, it doesn't seem like they're in the same time period like Eddie and like Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. It's like almost weird to see them wrestling each other, but Eddie got some offense in, um, but ultimately gets eliminated. Maybe my highlight of the match is uh, when uh, Flair goes to the top rope, Sting catapults Arn Anderson into Flair, sending Flair to the outside, eliminating him. Hogan then clotheslines Arn Anderson out. So the f- horsemen get eliminated at the same time. Ric Flair just like loses his shit. He like goes to the other ring and like flops and he's like just so animated. It was just so hilarious. But um, yeah, but ultimately we're down to like six people or so. Lex Luger and Sting, they team up against the giant, which Luger and giant were aligned at Halloween Havoc. So I don't know why. I don't know. It's a whole confusing thing there. Um, well, because they sold they bo- that story all night that Sting and Luger are still best friends, even though Luger is in the Dungeon of Doom and hmm. Sting is aligned with Hogan. I guess he, Luger can't resist that big fat dump truck of Sting. So don't fucking don't blame him, bro. That's one thing the giant doesn't have is a big ass. That no. that man has a billboard ass. Yeah, he's, he's big very everything flat. else. Very flat. <laughs> so, <laughs> horse cock daddy. <laughs> Do you think Giant has a big cock? Um, I, I mean, in it. relation to the rest of his body. Mm. You know, I don't know. For some reason, I look at that guy and I don't see big dick. I, I don't. I don't know why. He, I just yeah. don't, I don't see the big show pack and the big dick. He doesn't have that energy. I agree. No, it's, um, no he, he doesn't. No, no. You can always tell the guys who are fucking just laying. I don't know if he's laying. Yeah. I mean, he probably still could because I mean, he's still, still probably packing at least seven, eight. Oh, but, uh, oh yeah, I'm talking about like a like a like a foot long in comparison to his. You well, know, I'm talking flaccid here. Like he, oh, he, giant has a dick you can just whip out on on command. Like me, I can't just whip my dick out. Like right now, I'm not <laughs> I'm not taking it out. And I need preparation. I need a good fluff. And the weather needs to be right. The the humidity, like it, it's a whole thing, right? Yeah, so grower grower, not a shower for sure. I yes, yeah. exactly, a- absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. Well. There. Anyways, so uh, John <laughs> Hogan takes out Luger, Sting, and the Giant all at the same time. Uh, Giant rips out Hogan from under the bottom rope, pulls him out, beats on him. And then off camera, because they're focusing on Hogan and Giant, off camera, one man gang gets eliminated by Macho Man. And that's it. Macho Man wins the world title. And then as Hogan is just casually body slamming Giant on the floor, he turns around and is like, what, brother? What? So he gets under the ring or he gets into the ring and he's like, yo, ref, I didn't go over the top rope. I went under. The, and Hogan spends goddamn 10 minutes pantomiming Dude. how he went under. The, Dude, like, it's the most athletic went, thing I've ever seen Hogan do. He went under every rope like four times. I'm like, stop this shit, bro. He's going into different rings and doing it. Like, oh, I went under like this. Come on, brother. And he's like begging the crowd to back him up. Like, come on, come on, Hulkamaniacs. Tell him that I went under the bottom rope. And Norfolk's not really giving it to him. Uh, 
yeah, really <laughs> kind of a, a weird way for Macho Man to have his crowning moment here. But ultimately, because they have a whole thing where it's like on Nitro, Hogan's like on Nitro, I'm going to have the tape. I'm going to show it to you, brother. And then we're going to do this is a bunch of nonsense in the end of this thing. But uh, yeah, Macho Man wins. Hogan is a uh, Hogan's a cuck. Any other thoughts? It's- fucking bullshit dude and it pisses me off and we just did a show uh saturday night with all the guys in the league and we talked about who our greatest of all time is and i said it was hulk hogan because of what he did in wwe as the greatest baby face of all time and then when he went to wcw and was the greatest heel of all time but let me tell you bro re-watching the shit and i understand it's a different time but re-watching mm-hmm. him and you know our boy ritter's like he's a horrible fucking promo he can't go in the ring Rewatching his promos drive me crazy and watching him cuck Savage the way he did tonight pissed Mm. me off in ways I couldn't fucking describe, dude. This man just got fucked in WWF. He wasn't allowed to wrestle because he was too old. He ain't seen a world title since 92 where he made that epic win over Flair at eight at Mania eight. And it's really a fucking crowning moment at WrestleMania four. Hogan was in the ring for fucking him then too. So Hogan fucked him at WrestleMania four. This is first mm-hmm. crowning moment since fucking 92. And this is how you're going to let the man win his title with Hogan in there fucking fucking the bottom rope. Cause that's what he was doing. He was just sliding under and fucking the bottom rope and that's yeah. it. And that's Savage's title. And we'll talk about it tomorrow, brother. Fuck you, Hogan. The more and more I watch, dude. <laughs> It's going to, it used to be Austin was mine. And then my buddy, Mike dog talked me into it being Hogan, but God damn it. The more and more, and the more I watch this Hogan brother, it's stone cold, stone cold. By God, he's the goat. Oh yeah. I mean, like I said, this is probably Hogan's low point character wise for sure. Cause obviously once we get to NWO, it, it picks up a little bit, but yeah, he's, <laughs> he fucked macho man at WrestleMania four fucked him here. All while he's probably fucking his wife at the same time. So, you know, poor macho, poor Poor macho. And then he loses the belt a month month later at at Starcade to Flair Mm. or to Flair in that triple threat or triangle match, as they called it, with the stinger. Yeah. So um, I will say, though, maybe curious as to what they would do on Nitro. So if that's what their goal was, I guess they're a TV company and Nitro is really where they're uh, trying to get people to go to. So I guess serve that purpose but it was so dumb because like hogan didn't go over the top rope like you can see it like it's on pay-per-view there's cameras watching it like we can go back and i don't know i feel like they could have had instant replay at this point maybe 95 i mean i feel like technology is there right now i'm fine know. with i'm fine with the way macho man won yeah cool hogan gets fucked because hogan can't lose i get it you don't <laughs> like hogan won't lose it's in his contract i understand that but man, let Macho Man's music hit. Let him celebrate with the fucking title, man. Yeah. Like, give me a fucking break, dude. But as we know, if Hogan's around, everything is about Hulk Hogan. Yep. Yeah, because Macho Man, he's like almost has this like aura of like guilt that he won the title. Like he can't even have like a proper celebration because he's him and Hogan are going at it and doesn't get his music. And yeah, it's weird. But man. The one man gang almost had it, but hey, he wins, the, he wins the U.S. title like fucking two weeks later. So he Thank got God. something out of it. He got more one man gang to watch. That's always good. Um, but yeah, man, that brings <laughs> World War Three 1995 to a close. Any other uh, any other thoughts on the show? Anything we didn't cover? 
Oh, in addition to Sting's dump truck booty, I love a man called Sting. A man Damn. called Sting. Yeah, well, that music hit after he fucking tapped out Flair. I marked out hard. Forgot to talk about that, but <laughs> I think the highlight of the night was for me was Sting versus Flair. Period. I think that was the yeah. best, the best action in ring. Anytime you get a Sting versus Flair match, I'm all in on that. And it reminded me just how much I fucking loved Sting as a kid. He was awesome. His face paint was awesome. I loved seeing the the vignettes leading up to it. That black and orange face paint and Halloween Havoc was tight as fuck, dude. Yeah. And he was a powerhouse, man. So I love that. Was it. Just my biggest takeaway was Sting was awesome. And maybe the more I go back and watch, Hogan wasn't so awesome. <laughs> I always love watching old Sting. Like, because he's not, like, good. But he's so energetic and he's so exciting to watch. He's just, like, he's strong. He's fast. Like, he's always fun to watch. So, yeah. and he's, uh, you know, reaching the end of his surfer gimmick. You kind of see it in this show. Like, the, the blonde, the bleach blonde is starting to fade a little bit. We're, we're approaching crow stings, crow sting. I think it's still a little while in the future, but uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. But no bleach blonde hair on your show, Timothy. <laughs> but uh, once again, man, thank you for uh, taking the time to watch the show. Come on and talk about it. Where can everybody find you and listen to you and all your all your various shows? Yeah, Kyle, thank you for so much for having me, bro. Second time I've been on. I had a blast the first time. I had an even more fun this time. Um, I guess I really enjoyed the ECW show. I didn't enjoy the show. And sometimes when you get to hate on the show, it's it's better. But uh, yeah, yeah. you can find me talking a lot of WWE, AEW on the Floor Sniper Sports YouTube. Uh, Wrestling Index Podcast is my show. You can find me like three, four times a week talking with various other podcast hosts uh, about current news, um, reviews, predictions, all that good stuff. It's uh, Floor Sniper Sports on YouTube. Go to floorslipersports.com. You'll find wrestling, sports, lists, rankings, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, brother, that's it. That's all I got. Floorslipersports.com. Kyle, thank you so much for having me on, man. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Can you uh, can you take us out by singing Sting's theme song? It's a man called Sting. Man called Sting. Man called Sting. Man called Sting. Horthcock daddy. Once again, thank you to Tim for joining me on this lovely, lovely ride. That is World War III, 1995. Go check out Tim and all of his various shows and websites and social medias all in the description below. Tim's a good boy. He's a sweet boy and uh, he's handsome. So what else do you need? Uh, do that and uh, check me out. Apronbump.com. Go buy a shirt. Go rate the podcast, review the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, give the video a like. Why don't you hit the old subscribe button? Smash that subscribe button. Isn't Hold on. If you're watching on YouTube, why don't you give a Hulk Hogan leg drop to that subscribe button? Really helps the channel, brother. Brandon. My fucking, my fucking gabagoots. Um, but yeah, it's about all I got for you guys today. Man, what a fun time talking about it, but goddamn watching this show made me want to shove the Yeti's used toilet paper in my eyes and throw myself off of a building a la the big show. So, (laughs) 
Well, on that note, I'll, I'll love y'all, leave y'all. Biggest, big smooches. Let me kiss you on the cheek right here. Been watching a lot of Love Island, UK. That's how they greet each other. Oh, you're, you're all right. Then they suck each other's cocks. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've been hard. You've been soft. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I say things that I think just make me laugh. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm hard.